0: Chapter 16 of Up the River by Oliver Optic. Across the Gulf of Mexico. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. We had arrived at only a partial solution of the mystery, though we had done enough to relieve Captain Blastblow from any evil intentions in the premises. What Cornwood's connection with the affair was did not yet appear. He could not have known that Nick Boomsby was on board of the Islander, for he had gone to Saint Augustine, where we had put in on account of stress of weather. He could not have known that we intended to put into Saint Augustine, for we had no intention to do so when we left Jacksonville. Possibly Cornwood had put one thing and another together until he believed Nick had taken the $4,000 and had made his escape in the Islander. It looked as though Cornwood had some connection with the robbery, for the Islander had hurried on her way to New Orleans if she was bound there as soon as the Sylvania came in sight. If he had delivered the letter to Captain Blastblow. THE LATTER WOULD HAVE REMAINED IN KEY WEST UNTIL THE ARRIVAL OF HER OWNER, AS INSTRUCTED BY THE WRITTEN MESSAGE. "'CORNWOOD AND NICK DID A GOOD DEAL OF TALKING, IT APPEARS, WHILE THE ISLANDER WAS HERE,' SAID WASHBURN, THOUGH WE DON'T KNOW WHAT IT WAS ALL ABOUT. I HAVE NO DOUBT CORNWOOD TOOK THE MANAGEMENT OF THE CASE AT THIS POINT, I REPLIED. Nick must have forged one letter to induce Captain Blastblow to start the Islander without her owner and his family, and I have no doubt Cornwood forged another to make him continue the voyage. I hope we shall know all about the matter in a few hours more, said Washburn. You understand the entire situation now, Captain K.O., and see why we want to overhaul the Islander. I continued. I see the whole of it, and I will do the best I can to go sail the other steamer, but that depends more on your vessel than on me, replied the pilot. Will you let your men heave the log? We had been driving the Sylvania to her utmost, and Ben Bowman reported that we were making eleven and a half knots which was doing exceedingly well in the teeth of a fresh northwest wind. Captain Keogh went to the westward of the bar buoy, while the islander had gone to the eastward of it more than a mile. I saw that we had gained a mile by this course, and the islander was not more than four miles ahead of us. I gave the pilot my views of the relative speed of the two vessels, though i told him that captain blastblow might get a higher rate of speed out of her than any one had done before we shall soon see which sails fastest said captain kayo the islander has laid her course for the southwest pass of the mississippi all you have to do is to follow her there is our pilot boat and this is as far as we usually take vessels but i don't care to have you leave us here captain cayo i replied it is clear enough that the islander intends to keep out of our way she may run in among the dry tortugas and having a pilot on board she could easily elude us she might do that when she finds you are gaining on her as i see you are for we have made half a knot on her since we came out of the channel. But if we leave the pilot boat behind, I can't get off the steamer when you don't want me any longer. Besides, it looks like a change of weather, and pilots are in demand when it is foggy or blows at this time of the year. What sort of weather do you expect next? I ask. The wind will work around to the southwest, and then it will be foggy, replied the pilot, scanning the horizon. Can't you go to New Orleans or remain on board till we meet a steamer for Key West, I suggested? I should be very happy to go to New Orleans with you, for there will be no steamer for Key West for several days. BUT I AM NOT A PILOT FOR THE MISSISSIPPI RIVER, AND YOU WILL HAVE TO PAY ANOTHER JUST THE SAME AS THOUGH I WERE NOT ON BOARD." HE NAMED HIS PRICE, BESIDES EXPENSES, AND AS IT WAS REASONABLE, I ACCEPTED IT AT ONCE. MY EXPERIENCE THE NIGHT BEFORE, WHEN I FOUND THE SYLVANIA WAS TEN MILES FROM WHERE I SUPPOSED SHE WAS, MADE ME EXTREMELY CAUTIOUS. I felt entirely competent to take the steamer to the southeast pass of the Mississippi, but it was evident that Cornwood had obtained control of the islander, acting as the agent of Colonel Shepard, and that he would not permit the Sylvania to come near her if he could avoid it. Probably the conch, who had acted as her pilot, so far would understand the channels of the Tortugas and could easily take the islander where I should not care to follow her. The pilot boat lay very nearly in our course, and a boat put off from her as we approached. Captain Cayo stopped the steamer when the boat was abreast of her. He jumped upon the rail and told the oarsman that he was going to New Orleans. Now starter, Mr. Mate, said he to Washburn as he crawled over the rail to the deck. "'Now Cornwood will believe the pilot has left you,' said Captain Kayo. "'The Islander is still two miles off, "'and I don't think her people could see me when I crawl back over the rail.' "'It was a dead calm on the Gulf of Mexico, "'and the Sylvania was still making eleven and a half knots an hour. "'I calculated that we had gained two knots on the Islander, "'one by taking the shorter course,' And one by outsailing her, I think we had better keep her more to the southward, said Captain k o after he had taken a survey of the horizon, especially in the southwest, where a pile of clouds seemed to be gathering. Why to the southward, I asked. I think the captain of the islander must see by this time that we are gaining on him, and that it is only a question of three or four hours when we shall overhaul her replied the pilot if i were in his place i should steer for the tortugas and leave you five or ten miles behind by dodging into some shallow channel by keeping to the southward we shall be in a better position to head her off i see and we are almost up with the tortugas if we keep to the southward We shall be right in her course if she attempts to run for those islands. Right you are, Captain Malick, added the pilot as he changed the course to due west. There is a breeze coming up from the southward, which is quite a regular thing towards night. It will blow fresh for some hours, just about a whole sail breeze. I think you had better get your sails set, for the one that uses the wind first will make the most. I told the mate to call all hands and put on every rag of canvas we could set. Before he had the top sail shaken out, the breeze came, though it was very light. By the time the rest of the sails were set, it was blowing lively. It was five o'clock in the afternoon, and we were fairly up with the tortugas, and at least a mile to the southward of the islander if she attempted to get in among the islands she must run across our course and less than a mile ahead of the sylvania we could easily cut her off she can't get in among those islands now without running into us i said after i had carefully surveyed the situation "'That is true as preaching,' added Captain K. O., laughing when he saw that the other steamer was checkmated if she had intended to resort to any stratagem to avoid us. "'We may as well put the steamer on her course for the southeast pass.' He suited his actions to the words. "'The wind was freshening, and the log indicated that we were making twelve knots. Strong Moses was still crowding all the steam the boiler would bear.' and I am sure the yacht never sailed any faster. At six, I estimated that the Islander was not more than a mile ahead of us, and another four would wipe out all the difference. "'This wind is good for us in one way and bad in another,' said Captain K.O., shaking his head after a searching gaze to windward. "'You mean that we are likely to have some fog?' I added." not only likely to have a fog, but sure of it. It is miles deep to the southward and westward. Of course the islander will be able to keep out of the way in a fog, and we can't help ourselves, I replied, trying to yield as gracefully as possible to the necessity of giving up our point. I had hardly uttered the words before the fog swept down upon us. It was very dense, and we could not see a ship's length ahead of us. At about the same time the wind suddenly subsided. We could see nothing of the islander, and I had no doubt she had already shifted her course to the north or the south. The game is all up, Captain Kayo, I said very mournfully. Up for the present, replied the pilot as he called through the speaking tube for the engineer to stop the steamer. Captain K.O. put his head out one of the front windows of the pilot house and listened attentively for several minutes. I understood that he had used the speaking tube instead of ringing the gong, so that those on board of the Islander should not hear the sound as they might. It was now so still. Go ahead, continued the pilot through the tube. She had headed us to the northward, and we will see what we can do on the same track. The pilot headed the Sylvania to the north. I hoped the wind would breeze up again and carry off the fog, but there was no indication of it. Our sails made so much noise flapping and pounding against the spars that I was obliged to order all sail taken in. When we had gone an hour on the present course, the pilot ordered the engineer to stop her as before. Washburn and Ben Bowman were on the top gallant force castle and they listened with all their might. We all did the same, but we could not catch a sound of any kind. If the islander had been within a mile of us, we could have heard the clang of her screw. She had either stopped her engine or gone off on some other course. We went ahead again, headed to the northwest. We might keep this up all night and not find her, said Captain K.O., disgusted with the situation. What had we better do? I asked. We can't do anything. We can't fight against the fog. Are you sure the Islander will go to New Orleans if we let her alone? I feel reasonably sure of it, I replied. Captain Blasblow evidently is not engaged in the conspiracy, and I don't believe Cornwood could induce him to disregard the instructions of his owner. His course indicates that he intends to go there, only he seems to be determined to keep out of the way of the Sylvania. I have no doubt Cornwood and Nick Boomsby want to go to New Orleans, added the pilot. I don't see why it won't be just as well to pick them up there as it will be here. But they will not allow themselves to be picked up, I answered. They will get ashore as soon as the islander reaches New Orleans whether they get there before or after we do. If I wanted to make sure of the rogues, I should get to New Orleans as quickly as I could. We should be sure to get there before the islander, I added. So much the better when you get there. Procure a couple of officers and run back down the river till you meet the other steamer. Throw your officers on board of her and they will then have no chance to escape. If we wait here all night, the islander will make the best of her way to her destination while we are waiting for the fog to clear off. And, of course, the rogues will put themselves out of sight, said Captain K.O. I think it is the surer way to run for New Orleans. I don't know that we need any officers, I replied. We can run into the Mississippi, find some place of concealment, and pounce on the islander when they least suspect our presence. I like that plan still better, replied the pilot. We agreed upon this course, and the Sylvania was headed for the southeast pass of the Mississippi. We gave her full speed, and on Tuesday afternoon we were off the pass. It was a dull passage. We took a pilot, and as we had no difficulty in crossing the bar, we were soon in the river. The whole region was swamps and lagoons, about as uninteresting as we could expect to find. End of chapter.